We return in the word of God this morning to that passage of scripture that we read together. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verses 8 through to verse 23. I want you to imagine this morning that you have a most unusual visitor in your home. That you have this man called Elisha. And you invite him in. You sit him down on your settee. And you notice something very special about him. You notice something of the evident stamp of Almighty God upon him. You see that here is a man who walks with God. Here is a man who has an intimate acquaintance with the great God of heaven. You know that he's coming toward the end of his life. And you encourage him to go down memory lane. You talk to him perhaps about the widow's oil. What a remarkable miracle that was, Elisha. He smiles and says, yes, I can well remember that widow's oil kept flowing. You can remember the Shunammite's son. I can remember that. How that I raised, how that God through me raised that son. You can remember death in the pot. I'm sure you can remember Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army. Oh yes, he would say, I can remember Naaman only too well. He came in all his self-importance. But he had to lay it all aside when I sent a servant to him to go and wash in the Jordan. And although he was angry, he was encouraged to wash in the Jordan. And on the seventh time he was free of his leprosy. Elisha, can you remember the axe head floating? Oh yes, I can remember that. The impossible happened that day. Because God is a God of the most amazing and wonderful ways. Now, Elisha, can you remember that time when you were surrounded by the Syrian army? I wonder if you could just develop that force, because I'm sure that we would all like to be encouraged by it in this house today. Tell us and remind us how you handled it. He may begin like this. The king of Syria, well, he was a nasty piece of work. And he started a war with Israel. And he called his officers to him. And he was out to attack Israel. He wanted to take our territory. And God wonderfully communicated to me exactly what the king of Aram, uh, king of Syria, was up to. And I sent to the king of Israel, saying, "Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there." And continually, God communicated to me what the king of Syria was up to. 
And I heard that back there in Syria, he was complaining, there must be a mole in the place. There must be a traitor in my inner circle. There must be. Because there were military leaks that are being leaked to Israel. I want you to go and take hold of the person and liquidate them. And they got a report, you see, that I was in Dothan. And they came by night and they surrounded the city. We were totally surrounded. Because one of the king's servants in Syria has said, O king, but Elijah the prophet who is in Samaria, in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And they came to Dothan. And we were surrounded by horses and chariots. And we were surrounded by a very great army. And they came at night and they surrounded the city. They were out to get me. And my servant got up in the morning. At the very crack of dawn. And he looked out. And he saw the army. Surrounding the city. And he saw all the horses and chariots. And he came to me. And he said, alas, my master, what shall we do? We were surrounded. And you should have seen the fear that was on his face. And I had to remind him that it's not us that are outnumbered. It's them. It's a Syrian's army that's outnumbered. Do not fear those who are with us more than those who are with them. And then, you know, I prayed. And I remember the prayer very clearly. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And he suddenly saw another world. Because the Lord opened the eyes of this young man. I remember he was blown away by what he saw. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around us. What an amazing sight that was to him. It was something I already knew anyway. We were in the majority. It was Syria that was in the minority. We saw, he saw that we were not our own. But God was with us. And then I prayed a second time. Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. It was a kind of befuddlement or mind confusion. It was a visionary problem that they had. And I said to them, 
This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man who you seek. And I led them to Samaria. It was an amazing situation. Yahweh not only protected me, but delivered Israel by disabling the Syrians. And he protected us by restraining Israel's king too. Because the king of Israel said, I remember him saying it to me, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? The king of Israel thought that there would be a bloodbath now. A total bloodbath. Shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? They would have known it was curtains. That Yahweh not only protected me, but was protecting the whole of Israel. But then there was amazing grace given to the Syrians. And I had to tell them, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. They were no doubt shaking in their shoes. And thinking that's the end. There's going to be a terrible massacre here. But a feast was prepared for them. And they ate and they drank. And we set, I sent them away and they went to their master. And do you know the bands of Syrian raiders were no more into the land of Israel. It was an incredible and amazing experience. They were conquered, you see, not by might, but they were conquered by grace. And if you and I had sat there and listened to Elisha, we would have sat there with our mouths wide open. As Elisha recounted this amazing story. And you thank Elisha for coming. And he leaves your home. After all, he's a very busy man and he has to be about the master's business. What a tremendous experience. What a tremendous encounter. With God's servant, Elisha. Now what can we learn from this? How do we respond to crisis situations? You wake up one morning and you get a phone call or you get a text. Something totally unexpected has happened. There was no crisis there in that day with Elisha. It was only with his servant. When we read Psalm chapter 3 and verse 6, we read, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. 
And then we read in Psalm 112 and verse 7 these remarkable and amazing words and encouraging words. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. You remember the disciples on the sea, in the rough sea, Lord, save us, we perish. And the Lord Jesus stilled the storm just like a a schoolmaster dealing with a disruptive class. Peace, be still. Now quieten down and the storm stilled. And when troubles come unexpectedly, we need to put our brain in gear and to lay hold upon the promises of God, to lay hold upon what we believe. We must not press the panic button. We must press the trust button. I trust in the name of the Lord. We are not evangelical atheists looking at a situation as if there was no God in the situation. As if God were not present. We had a situation in our own fellowship this week where one of our members has lost his father and his mother within a matter of a few days. Both together. And we pray that he will rest in the promises of God. He's a strong believer. His wife works in our local Christian bookshop. And my own brother-in-law was diagnosed with dementia some years ago. He's a PhD in science. His wife said, now this is an opportunity for us to put into action what we say we believe. And when troubles come, we need to keep our emotions under control. We need to pray that by God's grace that we might see things spiritually and not naturally. And it's how we deal with crisis. It's a test so often of how much we really know. And then we are to remember too, that we are not alone. We are most definitely not alone. Isn't that a wonderful and encouraging thing? In Romans 8 and verse 31 we read, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. If God be for us, who can be against us? And believers are surrounded people. We think of believers in North Korea. They are surrounded. We think of dear believers in the land of the Ukraine. They are surrounded, not just by the Russians, but they are surrounded by the whole army of heaven. When you go to your place of work, 
You are not in the minority. You are in the majority. When you're in that home situation where you are the only believer, you are in the majority. Because the whole army of heaven is with you. Compared with the rest of the population here at Belvedere, it seems that we are in a minority. But we aren't. We are in a majority. There was a dear lady in our fellowship in Southend many years ago. She was a single lady. She lived on her own in a large house. She had, she had shared this house with another single lady who died before I arrived in Southend. And one day I went to visit her. And all she had to eat were a few sausages. And I said to her, what's the matter, Miss, Miss, what's the matter, Alice? That's all you've got in your larder? Yes, she said, I go to my post office every week and the very kind postmaster, he pays all my bills and he gives me five pounds back. He was ripping her off. I went to the police and had a word with them. They couldn't find enough evidence to convict him, but they did get him in a, f a few months later. And the post office was closed down. But she always used to say when I visited her, you know, I'm never alone. He's always with me. And that will be a constant message. I'm never alone, you know. And there was always a smile on her face. I'm never alone. And therefore we are not to press the panic button. We are to press the faith <coughs> button when troubles come. And we are to pray for grace to keep our emotions under control. One of the easiest texts in the Bible to quote is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. To trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. But my dear friends, to do it is a bit more difficult. We have to keep unbelief at bay and keep our emotions under control. And we need to know what it is to walk with God even in the darkest hour. But when we look at this remarkable account, it tells us of a day of grace, of the most remarkable grace. You shall not kill them, would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. What a remarkable statement. You look at how Israel had to deal with their enemies. Often they had to destroy them, but not here. Look at Numbers 3 and verse 17 and 1. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 8. They could easily have done it here. But here they were overcoming evil with good. Overcoming evil with good. 
We read in Proverbs 25 and verses 21 and 22 these words, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heat coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. <coughs> and the way often to, to disarm enemies is to overcome them with God. Are oh, there people who have shown you a, a dislike because you are a Christian and you get the opinion that they can't stand the very sight of you? Then find a way to do them good. Find a way to overcome evil with good. How can I show them kindness? How can I show them love? How can I show them compassion? And then we are reminded this morning that God still frustrates the enemies of God's people. And what a glorious truth that is. In the 1970s, many Christians in China were worshipping in house churches. And their meetings were often changed to avoid the crackdowns. They would change the place of meeting. And many of their leaders were sent to labour camps. And there is a story told of five visitors that had been sent to make arrests at one of these house meetings. And there was such a sense of Christ's love and the presence of the Spirit that these visitors were disarmed and they became believers. Their hearts were melted by the felt presence of God. The protector of the church had disarmed the enemy. There is a fellowship not far from us that I often preach in called Dawes Heath Evangelical Church. It has a great history. And the story is told that just after the war a group came in one night to disrupt the church. They knew something of the power and the presence of God among them. And they were there to bring an end to the meetings. And they ended up being saved. Those that would oppose were saved. And where there is often great persecution, where there is often great persecution, many believers are shining. That is what is happening in the land of Ukraine today. Many dear believers are shining for Christ in the midst of the most terrible and the most awful situations. I want to read some of it tonight. They are shining for the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is when we go through trials and tribulations that we place our confidence in what God has said in his word. We are not in the minority. We are in the majority. But one final thing. It tells me this. That if you are not a believer here this morning... The only way by which you will be accepted is because of grace. 
because of undeserved kindness. And therefore the Lord Jesus has come into this world in order that men and women might know that remarkable undeserved kindness. When he came here, there was that woman of Samaria. And under the Ten Commandments, she was an adulterer. She was not only an adulterer, but she was a Samaritan woman. And the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. In other words, to the people in Jerusalem, she would have been considered the lowest of the low, and yet the Lord Jesus came and met with her in grace. And whatever you have done, young person, older person, there is wonderful grace and mercy for you. My son goes to an Anglican church in Leamington Spa. And when we were there recently, they had a baptism. The font has never been opened for 20 years. They're told it's more a Baptist church than an Anglican church. And there was a man helping with the baptism. And my son said, you know what he used to be? He used to be a drug stealer. And it was quite clear that he was devoted to Christ. Think of all the lives he'd ruined as a drug stealer. And yet grace had met him. And his wife was a drug addict as well. And there are many people in that fellowship who could give similar testimonies. That's why he went there. He went there because of the down-to-earth Christianity that they had. And therefore there is no way, there is no one who could be excluded. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. His blood can make the foulest clean. The Lord Jesus shared his precious blood. Powerful, soul-cleansing blood. That men and women who deserve the very opposite might know what it is to be ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. And know what it is to be reconciled to the one who made them. And know something of his amazing love, amazing grace, and amazing mercy. And I would plead with you this morning that you may come and taste of the grace of the Lord Jesus. Wonderful grace that gives what we don't deserve. Come now. Come as you're sitting in your seat. Don't pass this opportunity by. I plead with you to close with the glorious person of the Lord Jesus. And there will be a great feast. These Syrians enjoyed a great feast. But there is a great feast of good things. Forgiveness, cleansing, reconciliation, peace with God, the unsearchable riches of Christ poured into a person's soul. A great feast. And I pray that you may come to know of this great feast that is found in the Son of God. Let us pray.
glorious and eternal God. How grateful we are that we are a people who are surrounded. Surrounded by heaven. The whole army of heaven. And we're always in the majority. We pray that you may help us to know that and to believe it. And help us to walk with humble confidence in our day. We pray that by your grace that we might know what it is to trust you in any and every situation to keep unbelief at bay ever trusting in the glorious person of the Lord Jesus. And Lord for those who don't know you we pray that they will. We pray that they will come as they are and that they may bow to an enthroned Christ and they may taste of the feast of good things that Christ gives. We thank you that he is the bread of life that he is the water of life. We thank you too that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Lord God Almighty, we pray that you will come and meet with each one who does not know you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.